but there's a positive regard that I have to what they're explaining. I listen to how they learned, where they're coming from. So I'm an active learner, but I also know that when I learn something, I try and implement it. Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and this twice-a-week podcast is dedicated to helping you achieve physical self-mastery by getting stronger, optimizing your nutrition, and upgrading your body composition. We'll uncover science-backed strategies for movement, metabolism, muscle, and mindset with a skeptical eye on the fitness industry so you can look and feel your absolute best. Let's dive right in. Wits and Weights community, welcome to another episode of the Wits and Weights podcast. My guest today, Alan Friedman, is a member of the Wits and Weights community and one-on-one coaching client of mine who's gone through his own physical and mental transformation in our time together. He has a passion for sharing knowledge, engaging with fellow health and fitness enthusiasts, and always being of service. Today, we'll explore his early influences in nutrition and fitness, his personal connection to health and well-being, and how his professional background informed his fitness journey. Alan will share how he's overcome resistance, developed a positive attitude toward fitness, transitioned from emotional to mindful eating, and managed nutrition as a bariatric patient. We'll also delve into the challenges we've tackled together and the coaching process. Alan will share his advice on getting started, how he maintains his unwavering positivity and passion throughout his fitness journey. Alan Friedman was a school psychologist for over 30 years, skilled in developmental psychology, school psychology, and mindfulness training. In the fitness industry, he loved being a spinning instructor for over 12 years. He maintains a yoga instructor certification with additional certification in trauma-sensitive yoga. Alan has always been interested in physical and emotional wellness and how we develop throughout our lifespan. He's an active learner and strives to create action plans that address his purpose and priorities. Alan cherishes life and wishes to bring a passionate and supportive, positive vibe to others. Alan, we finally made it happen. So welcome to the show, man. Here we are. Here we are. Wow. I'm listening to that intro and I'm digging in deep as as we'll find out on on this podcast. Sometimes I just listen to things and I just go deep into it. And it's like, wow, these are important points. So um, I, I thank you very much, Philip, first of all, for your commitment and your dedication to the fitness industry. To the health industry and um your passion your dedication and your energy um is absolutely incredible and it goes it it doesn't go unnoticed you know it's 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 there yeah man i appreciate it alan i think you know we we attract each other into our world too right so let's not mm-hmm. discount that i mean you know you and i probably attracted to each other in some some way out there because we are both positive optimistic type people, at least that's how I identify. And uh, so it kind of worked out. And, you know, the more we do this and these have these conversations and the people listening can get, uh, can get motivated and fired up by that energy and what you have to share. You mentioned something right off the cuff. I'll just say that what what I was attracted to your, to your community was your wisdom, was your questioning. Um, on On a different group, you asked these intelligent questions. I said, wow. I said, this guy really gets the science. He gets the he gets the research, and that's when I joined your Facebook group that day. Cool man, yeah, standing on the shoulders of giants, right? As they say, yeah, so that's right. I, that's I right. can accept a compliment, and and I also want to pay it back to all the people that I have to thank for getting yes. here as well. Okay, so, all right, let's get started. Let's let's get started. So I want to I want to learn a little bit more about maybe some things that even I haven't learned about you. Uh, starting from your background, you mentioned 
before that your grandfather and also Jack LaLanne. These are some of your early influences on your interest in nutrition and fitness. So yeah, can you yeah. share about how these individuals or, or others have shaped your perspective then? They, they've spurred this passion you have. My grandfather was, as my aunt would call him, a nature boy. You know, um, he was an Eagle Scout, Scout Master. Um, he lost his father when he was young due to the flu, influenza mm. um, epidemic. So he wanted to pay back, and he was like a. He dedicated himself to the boys in the community in Brooklyn where he lived. Um, so that was his impetus. For my my mother said that why he wanted to be an Eagle Scout. He taught me phrases, man, like. Alan, there's not a cloud in the sky. Look how blue the sky is. He taught me to go for a hike. He told me about hiking. He told me about gardening um, before, a, year, a couple of years before he passed away. He taught me how to make a vegetable garden. He taught me how to transplant, um, you know, do all the kinds of gardening. And he passed away when I was 11 years old. Um, so it was a, a sudden loss, um, tragic loss. And then let's move along to uh, my adolescent years. You know, when you're into your body, so a cousin of mine said, Alan, look what I have. I have these 12 packets, I mean, 10 or 12 packets of exercise programs. And they would do it yourself, Jack LaLanne, in your, in, in your bedroom, you know? Okay. So I remember, so my favorite memories of that when I was 15 years old was doing tricep dips on my desk chair. Okay. <laughs> and, and, um, and then going downstairs and having cottage cheese, you know? It's like, so I remember doing doing the program. Oh, so you already knew you had to get protein even back That's then. That's right, exactly, yeah. Okay. And um, I always, right. So I remember doing leg raises. I remember doing um, core work, all this stuff in my bedroom. And I remember telling my mom, I need cottage cheese. So I, I was, I, so that goes back when I was 15, 16 years old. Now, wait, were you, was this like, was this like Arnold Schwarzenegger where he could just envision his muscles growing? No, no. <laughs> okay. I was always fighting with, I, actually, I was always fighting with being overweight. Okay. Okay. Um, That's I've important always, to know. So, yeah. yeah. So I didn't, I, I, um, I always was, um, on the chunkier side. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was kind of like my way of kind of taking care of myself. I wasn't into sports, into team sports necessarily, although I did lo love riding my bike. Um, and I liked other, you know, individual type sports, but I was not a team sport um, person. Okay, so, cool. So now, Fat, did, was there a gap in there? So that was when you were a kid and then doing the tricep uh, extensions on the chair and then eating the cottage cheese. I mean, where take us now to, to today. Oh, man. So today, there's a mantra. We're going to skip. So today, so there was a time um, where I gained a lot of weight. Um, I just gained a lot of weight um, when I was having kids, you know, the, you know, that became daddy and, you know, forget about me. It's all about, you know, about taking care of kids and working and trying to, you know, keep the budget going and things of that sort. Um, so I ended up gaining a lot of weight. Um, at one point, at one point, I had a doctor who told me that if I wanted to see my grandkids, I have to lose weight. Mm -hmm. This was in my this was in my early thirties, late twenties, early thirties. Okay, that's that's pretty young, right? To be told that. Yes, yes. yes. And you, and you're saying your your family your situation was that you're you're a very giving guy. I, I know that about you. So you put others before you. Always. What yes. it sounds like. Yep. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, and this is kind of like moving along my journey here. So. Uh, my grandmother, before she passed away, I used to take care of her, you know, when she was sick a little bit. And she said to me, Alan, she goes, you have to take care of yourself because no one else will. 
she knew she saw a little bit that I wasn't, I was a little, you know, she was concerned. So I did. I did. So I, every time I'm telling you, every time I go to the gym, even to this day, to this year, so let's, let's bridge the gap all these years. I say to myself, Alan, take care of yourself. Because Why no one else gonna, will. I've got, because, yeah. well, no one else. I'm, it's up to me. Who else is going to lift the weights? <clears throat> yeah. Who, yeah. Who else is going to go for a walk? Exactly. You know, it's, it's, I have to have my internal locus of control and make sure that I, I do what I need to do for myself. Um, there's a saying that I have, um, and it's also part of my motivation, Philip. Um, if I'm only, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm not for myself, oh, if I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Hmm. So it's it's a focus on the on myself or ourselves as individuals that we have important work to do in this world. Hmm. We have to take care of ourselves, and we have important work to do. However, it's not just about us. Right. You know, if we're only for ourselves, what are, what are we? You know, we, we don't exist in a vacuum. So therefore, it's a call to action to other people, other commitments, other obligations, other acts of kindness that we do in this world, you know, reaching out. Well, in, that, in the context of also, I wouldn't say juxtaposition. I like to use Venn diagrams. So mm-hmm. I think there's an intersection between ourselves and the community and plus a call to action. Because just thinking about it and wondering and diaring and writing down what you're grateful or appreciative every morning is fine, but we need to act on what's important to us. Mm. And in my situation, bringing it back full forward, backwards, back to the beginning, is that we need to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others as well. You know? Yeah. No, we should sit with that concept, right? Because there's so much uh, on social media and discussion about self-love, self-worth, body image, body positivity, all these things. And the idea that pursuing some level of fitness or even aesthetics or whatever the goal is, is somehow uh, a self, maybe a selfish pursuit. When what you're saying is that what drives us is our mission in the world, others, our family, the, the people who care us, care about us and who we want to be of service of. And thus, don't we want to be our best selves physically and mentally to make that happen and, and accomplish that mission, right? Is that, that's what we're saying? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And your I mean, quote, your mantra reminds you that I think Epictetus has a quote I use all the time as well. Very similar of like, when are you going to demand the best for yourself? Cause nobody else is going to do it. Right. So when exactly. are you going to demand the best? Right. Yeah. So you, you have this deep personal connection with health and well being. It's not just about lifting weights, right? It's not just about aesthetics. You've gone through a, a, a long trajectory of, of emotions, of physical states, of your relationships with others over the decades. So how does that play in and how do you, how do you implement your mantra to stay consistent? Like, it's nice to say it, but how do you do that? I want to initially say that it's meditative. Um, I always tell my trainers and my friends at the gym that lifting weights and, and is meditative. Um, even high intensity interval training is meditative because when you go through the steps of the intensity before you bring it back down again, you have to understand where you're at. You need, you need feedback. You need a heart rate monitor perhaps, you know, for some objective information, but you also have to realize what's happening to your body, your breath, your brain, your, you know, your state of being as you move through everything. 
And lifting weights is really about internal, internal feedback, mind first, but also internal feedback. So every time I'm lifting weights, whatever I'm doing in the gym, whatever it is, there's a brace, there's a breath, and then there's an internal locus of focus. Um, and, and, um, and that's kind of that. But I also feel that it's habit. It's the habits I've created to act as a structure, a foundation for what I need to do. Because getting to the gym and getting for a walk, going for a walk, going to buy the proper groceries at a grocery mm-hmm. store, right? Oh, the whole ball of wax, Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be an underlying structure that you work from, that people work from. And I think that really helps me. You just hit on two so powerful concepts, just kind of uh, lightly. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like, not flippantly. You just mentioned them. And, and to me, they were very powerful. The first one is that lifting weights is meditative. I, I've yes. actually never heard it put that way by anybody. And you really struck a chord with me with that because I'm the kind of guy who I'd li- I like to, I'm very rational, very logical. You know, to me, it's like lift weights, get a result, do this, get a result. And I don't really meditate. I don't do a lot of breath work and stuff, even though I've tried. <laughs> you know, it's just not ingrained in my habits like it could or should be. Um, but I do lift weights and I do heavy squats. And I know that process when I turn off the music, no one's there. It's just me because I, I work out at home. So it's very meditative. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of a cue and I'm thinking of my breath and I feel my my abs pressing on the belt and I feel the 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 force going straight down into my heels through my squat shoes and i'm looking at the position with me relative to the right all of that like you're saying is a high level of awareness and internal focus and then all, all and all you're trying to do is go down and up but it's this whole mindset thing i love that because we can identify with people who love lifting weights and say you know you you are engaging in a form of meditation when you do that um that's very powerful. That's very powerful because it's really about resilience and the resilience you get from that. And then you tied it to habits, which is a whole separate thing, right? Where yes, yeah. if you don't have the habits yet, how do you get those habits, Alan? Like how, where should someone stop oh. the trick, right? Pen and paper. Okay. Pen and paper. That's how I started. What do I need to do? Whiteboard. Whiteboard or pen and paper or notes on, on, the, on your phone. Um, you don't need a fancy app, although there's a couple of great apps for habits. Um, it's kind of also digging in deep, seeing what we need in the kitchen, in our action steps to get us to where we need to go. And one thing I've learned lately, since I've already established habits, is habit stacking. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. So you might say, um, how do I go for a walk? Well, what do I like to do that I could pair with going for a walk? In my case, it's podcasts. All right. Um, when I'm behind in my podcast, it's because I'm not walking my my steps in the park. <laughs> oh, you know, that's actually a great point, Alan. You, you, you just turned it around. Yet another powerful thing. Because I, I know we've talked about habit stacking a few times, but yeah. I, I, when my feed gets really long, I'm like, why is it long? Oh, because I, I took a deload week this week and I wasn't <laughs> lifting in or walking as much. There you go. <laughs> so maybe I should go. just go for an extra walk, catch That's up right. on my podcast. You're right. It's a great That's one. That's right. So it's it's about um it's all about just building up, you know, one habit at a time, one step at a time. 
You know, maybe it's it's um getting a gym clothes together. Maybe it's first buying a nice shirt for the gym. You know, or a pair of shorts that you are dedicated. You may have two shirts and two shorts that, you you know, you dedicate for working out. Um, You have a protein. You have, you know, you if you're mindful of nutrition, you have your nutrition set. Um, You know, these are good techniques. I want to I want to stop there again. You're you're talking about like having things you enjoy or almost like a little reward or celebratory thing that gets you going. Right. It could be that new shirt a new piece of equipment, you know, you don't always have to buy stuff and spend right. money, but, um, even you mentioned a protein bar. Like if there's something, if there's a protein bar you like versus one you don't, that can make a difference in get having it. Right. You also mentioned the reminders on your phone. I need more selenium. So I added a habit that says eat Brazil nuts every day yes. at 11 AM. You know what I mean? I just added as a reminder and it sticks there in red until I do it. Right. Yeah, my question to you, Philip is how many? Uh, two. I just eat yeah. two Brazil nuts. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Yeah. Right, right. That's all you need. Because you know, there are a lot of calories too, so you got to balance. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. But I, um, yeah, so, so um, yeah. Cool. I, no, I just, and I'm interrupting you on purpose because the things you're saying are really valuable for the listener to just, just mm-hmm. dwell on it. Me too, right? I'm, I'm Part of this podcast is is I'm learning and then the listener's right. learning with me. Right. One thing I want to add any more on that because I, I have yeah, other things yeah. we can get into. There's one more thing also I'd like to add, yeah. add to this. Accessibility. Okay. Things need to be accessibility. If things are hidden or in a room you don't go to or in a drawer that it's that you don't that's not visible, there's a barrier between you and the action step or the habit. So I have my protein my protein powders, my creatine, like I have a little a little area which used to have a keurig. The keurig moved away. So in the place of the keurig, I have my proteins, my cal- you know, all my all my supplements that I pre-make ahead of time. So in the morning, I just have to dump a little Rubbermaid, um, you know, recipe of all my powders, dump it into a shaker cup, add mm-hmm. water, and I'm out. There you go. So it's a matter of, of accessibility also. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It, it. Accessibility, which is the opposite of resistance or opposite of a barrier. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. no, don't worry. We don't have to segue into that. No, no. I'm just well, thinking of great. that. It's right. a great way. Yeah, it it's is. a great it way is. to put it. It's a right. There's less resistance yeah. between your goal or your habit and what you need to do. Yeah, you know, I was I was just listening to um, Darlene Marshall. She was on the show. Yes. I, I'm not sure. I think hers might. I'm not sure if it'll be out by the time this one comes out. Uh-huh. But she taught her latest episode was about micro habits. The idea that you don't have to have a habit every day. You can modularize your habits. And mm-hmm. you just made me think of another concept related to that of time based habits. In other words, if if you have a lot more energy in the morning to do something, use that energy to prepare yourself for the habits when you normally wouldn't. So if you, for me, that used to be when I would go to the gym, I would, in the afternoon, I'd prep my gym bag. I'd prep all my stuff. I'd prep my workouts because I had all this energy. And then in the morning when it's 5 a.m. and I'm dragging myself out of bed, I'm like, well, it'd be more work to put all that away than to just go to the gym. So I'm just going to go to the gym, you know. Uh, Really good stuff, man. I didn't know we'd get into whole habit strategies here, but this is good. (laughs) It's part of the ball of wax. It is. It really is. Philip, we're talking about my progress. We're talking about what I dig into. And these are the things that I dig into that help me have success in what I'm doing or mostly success. You know, every day is not perfect. (laughs) No, and and it's not going to be. And that's cool though. Every every new day. So let's see what else, what else would you like to discuss? Well, I do want to connect your background as a school psychologist to, um, 
your understanding of psychology in general, right? Developmental psychology, which is its own niche there, and mindfulness training. So you have this interesting background. How does all that contribute to your approach today? I think my training in psychology in my in my profession has taught me to honor the individuals in front of me. Um, when I have a student across from me at the table, I have to look at, I don't want to get specific necessarily, but I look at who they are as a person. I look at who, you know, for lack of a better word, I just say there's a soul sitting across from me. Whatever this student is involved with or needs help with or whatever, what can I be of service? What can I do to reach this, this individual student? Um, so I always, I've learned to initially have a positive, an unconditional positive regard. And I also have used, well, that's one thing. And also developmentally, what does a student need? There was an incident a long time ago where a principal was having difficulty with a student. I looked at the student and within a minute, the student was calmer, um, more relaxed, and was able to, you know, principal was able to work with what she needed to do in terms of parents or whatever. And she said, Alan, how did you do that? I said, I assessed what the student needed. Developmentally, what is what is it? What does a six-year-old need? What does a four-year-old need? What does a 10-year-old need? What does a 15-year-old need? Or an 18-year-old? What's going on in their developmental stages that they need that I could help them with? So this is kind of like jumping around umbrella points, so to speak, because there are so many umbrellas and, and major points that I can point to, to answer your question. Um, yeah. I mean, bring it back, bring it back to your, if you just had to sum up your philosophy today, right. Right. But between this positive, unconditional, positive regard, understanding what people really need. People are, people are individuals that have, unique needs that may be deep, buried deep down inside them, who knows? And then the mindfulness training, Right. how does that all bring us so, to where you are? So mindfulness training is amazing. Um, it's stemmed out of my yoga background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that um, my work in psychology evolved a little bit more for mindfulness, stress reduction, meditative breath work. Um, so I often did um, different types of breathing techniques with my students who were in a state of anxiety. Hmm. Um, if fellow coworkers needed something, um, I was not there to, to work with them, you know, to, you know, they, but, it, but I think, you know, um, breath work is very powerful. I used to go into the chorus room in the music department and do breath work, breath work meditation with the choral students so they could access their breath and understand their breath a little more than when, when they sing, you know, um, and pastoral things and things of that sort. So there's a whole, a whole blend. It's called being eclectic, you know. I love being eclectic and having different tools to use for different reasons, you know, in, yeah, different, yeah. in different times. So I think... You know, I just think that we all need to dig into ourselves a little bit um, and 
and understand and have a focus. One thing that I've also learned is that we have to access our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, we're always fight and flight. It's very easy to be fight and flight and fight. So what yoga does and breath work does is it relaxes your mind from your body up. So the actual vagus nerve, you know, the vagal nerve that goes into your into your abdomen, the innervation of that causes a relaxed state. And that's how breath work works. That's how yoga works. Um, so we could be very working hard on our mats in yoga, but at the same time, we develop a relaxed state because we're working the nervous system in such a way that we're able to kind of settle in. So that's kind of, you know, anti-anxiety, um, mindfulness. Um, teachers use mindfulness in the classroom. There are so many techniques for teachers to develop a common denominator of atmosphere and vibe mm. in a classroom by starting off with a mindfulness exercise. Mm. Shuts off the world, the kids get interfocused, and they're able to, to learn a little bit. So education and mindfulness is huge. There are some amaz amazing psychologists who, are, who have done work um, on mindfulness and education, um, and that's research and practices ongoing. And I'm just letting you talk, Alan, because you are relaxing me right now with your, <laughs> seriously, you could just, I'm like, this is good. I'm just going to use this That's podcast time for my own, you know, mindfulness with Alan Friedman, um, yeah. social hour here. Just <laughs> seriously, there, there's something yeah. to be said about even, yeah. even connecting with somebody. I, I, I get the sense that that yeah. probably relaxes yeah. us to some, yeah. some level here. Phil, yeah. I want to say something. I remember being, I remember being in Cut Bank, Montana. Okay, cut back. Yeah. Cut, cut, no, cut bank, Montana. Cut bank. Okay. Luckily, we, I was going to Glacier National. It's on Route 2 in, in Montana. And um, I remember going to a um, an auto, auto parts store. Needed a new battery for something. And the owner's wife was telling me about her son. And I said to myself, you see, no matter where we are, no matter what, what where we are, whether we're in New York, Montana, could be other countries, kids need the same thing. Developmentally, so this is developmentally, there are some certain basics that people need, whether we're an infant or whether we're 80 years old. You mm -hmm. know, it's just it's just their basic. Um, we could talk about Mazel, we could talk sure. about so many other things, but um that was it. I think that's pretty much it. It's a, it's a knowing that um, it's a knowing that people have different different um, requirements, different temperaments, um, and there are ways to work with with people. And in the gym, the same thing. You know, I have we have friends. I, I hang out with people in the gym, and there's a certain vibe, and and people tend to kind of understand where they're at. So a lot of people are doing the meditative work, like you said, Philip, without even calling it meditation. Yeah. So we we've talked we've touched on the idea of of, of attacking resistance, of eliminating barriers. But you but you've struggled, like many of us. You had periods in your life where you struggled with physical fitness, right? With with your body, with eating, emotional eating, things like that. Um, 
what is it that potentially was missing at the time that you have found or maybe was there and you just weren't using or what could have, what could have helped that person that now you're finding could help others? That is a great question, which is going to lead me into some medical history. Okay. Do it if you're comfortable Um, with it. Yeah, sure. Um, Wow. I've always eaten healthy. Always, but I ate a lot, you know, um, that, stop right there. Stop right there. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> words mean things. Words yes. mean things. And I want people to understand, right? That you can, and the word, even the word healthy is, has got some label. What am I trying to say? Some bias to it, depending on the context. Yeah. So I when do. you say eating healthy, I, I, I surmise you mean like eating whole foods, not eating too much processed foods, maybe not alcohol, whatever but you were just eating too many calories. <laughs> so totally possible, which means you could, yeah. you could eat healthy, have too much. You could also eat not so healthy, but maintain the caloric balance you need. There's all combinations of this and yeah. they're possible. Yeah. There's one time I came home from school and I mindlessly, mindlessly took some chocolate chips, melted them in the microwave, mixed them in with peanut butter, and started eating the peanut butter and chocolate mix. Okay. I had a very hard day and I just, and then I stopped myself. I looked at what I was doing and I said, why am I eating this? What am I doing here? You know, and this was also during a weight loss. This was also when I was working on my weight long time, you know, Mm -hmm. a while ago. And I said, you know what? Eating is meditative. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about it but I'm engaging in a behavior that's trying to calm myself down. And I just said, now that I understand that I have to do something else. I can't be mixing peanut butter and chocolate chips. <laughs> oh my God. Alan, Alan, really, you're just, you're connecting so many dots here. I don't know if you realize that because we were talking about how fit, how exercise or, or squats or whatever were meditative, almost like you're in a trance is, is another word maybe. Cause I talked to another guy who talked about self-hypnosis and use that terminology when we're just so focused and nothing else matters. And then you just said eating is meditative and it's not like there's judgment on that. It just is what it is. And yes. you're like, well, now that I know that let's do something else meditative that benefits me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So that was a pivotal point in my life. Mm. And this goes back years and, you know, a while ago. Hey, this is Philip, and I hope you're enjoying this episode of Wits and Weights. If you're looking to connect with like-minded listeners on their health and fitness journeys, come join our free Facebook community. It's a supportive space where you can share your experiences, ask questions, and access free guides and weekly trainings. Just search for Wits and Weights on Facebook or find the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. So what, let's bring us back to the question again, Phil, if you want to refresh my memory, because we're talking a lot. I'm thinking a lot. You know what? Um, these, these conversations, it almost doesn't yeah, matter uh, what right, the question was right, if, right. if we get yeah. um, these revelations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think also that... Um, so my journey, my journey hit a point right before COVID. So I had managed, managed. So I would been a, I've been a spin instructor. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a yoga instructor and always dealt with weight. Always, always. But it got, things got a little heavier for me. Got, you know, things started kicking in. Um, and I have, a, you know, a little bit of, 
you know, I have a cardiologist, I have a GI doctor, and I have my, my regular physical, you know, intern. And about a long time ago, my GI doctor mentioned something to me about um, having a gastrectomy, a stomach gastrectomy, like, you know, drinking my stomach. And that was a long time ago. Because I don't know if you ever think about this, I know somebody who might be, so go ahead, eight years or nine years, mm-hmm. and I call him back. And I said, doctor, I said, you know, my weight is this. Um, and it's COVID. And I know that if I were to get sick, God forbid, I may not survive because mm-hmm. of my obesity. 80 pounds, 70, 80 pounds overweight. Sure. Um, and he said, Alan, you, he said, Alan, yeah, he thinks it's a good idea. He gives me the green light. My primary doctor said, Alan, you've been struggling with your weight a long time mm-hmm. because I think it would help. And my cardiologist, he was all in. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Sure. I, was so, I was so scared to talk to him. And I sat, in my, I sat in his office. He said, you know, Alan, with your family history and your struggle, he said, it would be great. He said, I know, I know someone. I had, I had steak with him. We went out for steaks. He had this procedure done. It took me five minutes to finish my steak. It took him 25 minutes, almost a half an hour to finish his steak. Hmm. He said, he said he enjoyed every single bit of it. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, it looks amazing. He said, you know, it might've been a colleague of his. So he said, go for it. So I did. It was hard. Philip, it was, um, the surgery itself was a piece of cake. But the work beforehand, I had to be, I had to show that I lost weight beforehand. Um, they have you go on a two-week liquid diet to shrink the liver, to shrink yeah. fat around the liver, to shrink the liver so they can get to the stomach better. And then you're then then after a while, then you then you you know move yourself up, you know, to regular eating over the course of months. It's it's um a, a, a biological learning curve again. Um, yeah, you have to readapt to this. But but before we get there, so, though, what, yeah. before we get there, so just playing devil's advocate because I know people think this, or or when they judge people, they don't know their history or why they did things. It sounds like the pandemic was like the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of your personal health scare or reality or whatever. Something that you knew you you wanted to deal with for years, but just hadn't had the impetus quite to take action. And and why did you did you think that? you didn't have any other option or that the, a more natural approach would have been too risky or, or take too long given your health was in danger. Okay. I've had also other health history. So in my family, there's, there's, um, there's, there are other, um, m- metabolic conditions. Mm, okay. Um, I also had heart, heart surgery, um, okay. you know, a while ago, about 15, 16 years ago. So, and I'm in great shape. Mm-hmm. And with that background, I think I needed to do something more acutely. The imminent and, risk was palpable. You had to take yes, action. Yes. In a I means that got you the I have to do yeah. something. Right. But it wasn't yeah. right away. I mean, yeah. I started this process in, in May and it took till October. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It was a whole process. Sure. It's not like I decided and then two weeks later, I'm, I'm right. in. Right. You know, it's a process and um, working with, you know, working with um, professionals about it. Um, really knowing that I have support and knowing mm-hmm. that I have the skills to carry this through because it's not an easy fix. And I'm going yeah. to tell everyone listening to this, you know, it's very easy to say, Oh, you know, he, 
No, no way. <laughs> because regain is real. And if anyone who's a bariatric patient views this, they'll say, yes, Alan, regain is real. Mm. It's a matter of, so we regain, obviously. But the question is, and Philip, this is where we come into, into play. What is the quality of the regain? Okay. Is it muscle or is it extra fat? My, my bariatric doctor, he has two matches, maybe three or four. But one of them is protein first. The second one is weight training. Great. Those are good mantras. <laughs> right. Right. I said to I yeah. said I said to him, I said, listen, I don't want to look look, I don't want to look, you know, like I'm 10 years older than I am. You know, like I don't want to say it, I don't want to, you know. He said, Alan, the best thing you can do is weight train three times a week. And cardio. He said, but weight train and eat your protein, protein first. Were you had you weight trained up to that point, or just the yoga and the spinning and stuff like that? Um, I had done some weight training, but not as significant. Oh yes, I've done weight training. Trust me. Yes. So in the 1990s, I followed Bill Phillips Body for Life program. Um, I weight trained all the way to 2004, 2005, and then I took a little hiatus. Um, and then I became a spin instructor in 2009. So it was more of a cardio type of... Um, so you were like detrained at the time? I was, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah, no, just so, so people understand the history. But right. also you were, if you don't mind, what was your age at this point? Back then? Um, when you had the surgery and coming out of that? 51? No, okay. um, oh, no 61. Six, um, so figure it was... I was just getting a ballpark for yeah, this. No, 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 no. Oh, 61. Yeah, yeah. Six, that's 60, 60 yeah, yeah. or 61. Just so people uh, know that at whatever age you are, you can you can manage yeah, your yeah. health and you can yeah. improve your health. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it was in my 60s. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. in my 60s. So actually, I, I um had actually I had been lifting weights um prior to the pandemic. Um, but not as focused and not as dialed in. I did have a trainer. I'm thinking back. I did have a trainer. Sure. But it wasn't the three-day-a-week um, progressive loading. Yeah. So okay, That's got it. So you may have you may have lifted weights more of as a form of exercise, not necessarily strength training and, and growth. One hundred percent. Yes. Then you start doing it properly. So a lot of things are going to change. So we're getting to a pivot point. You had the surgery. You have this supportive doctor, which is rare. I'm sorry, I had to say that <laughs> when it comes to lifting weights and um, protein. And it's, it seems like a lot of things started changing at that point because you talked about the story with the chocolate and peanut butter, right? And the emotional eating. So I want to understand how that changed from emotional to mindful. And then also the um, other things that you do, right? Tracking, planning, listening to your body, all these things. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And coaching. So and let's, coaching. Let's, Good. Yes, Thanks let's, for the plug. Yes. Yeah, coaching. Yeah. So, so let, let's go through this. <laughs> Um, so originally go ahead, restate that again, Philip, because there are a lot of things in my mind right now. I'm sorry. Yes. So what changed after you had the surgery, how did you start to develop, um, more beneficial practices for your health? Okay. Okay. The kitchen, first of all, my kitchen <clears throat> became loaded with, with healthy proteins. Um, when I can only eat my stomach, I really feel comfortable only eating about five to six ounces of solid protein right now 
um, pretty much, and maybe a little vegetables and stuff like that, but it's protein first. So I had to maximize the kitchen, fish, ground beef, dark meat chicken, um, eggs, egg whites, flaxseed, pumpkin seeds, you know, all the things mm-hmm. that, 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 um, and it was a buildup. So first it was just cottage cheese and fish or cottage cheese mixed with eggs or egg whites, you know, when I first started. So it's, it's a progression. So I also don't feel like I want to fill my day with chips, with ice cream, even if it's Halo Top. I mean, I don't want to waste my my capacity and my macro factor goals and our goals to other foods that have very poor nutritional value. Mm-hmm. How did that happen, though? How, how did you get to that mindset? I mean, you said you already always, you always ate healthy foods. So I always, you made that I'm healthy. going to say I always yeah. had that. I always yeah. had that mindset when I yeah. was a kid. I loved Earl <clears throat> Mendel's nutritional nutrition bible. I mean, I was I made I had a part time job at the vitamin shop. But you see, but you talked you about know, the chocolate and peanut been, butter, the chocolate and peanut butter. I'm going to come back to that because you mentioned that. Not that those aren't delicious foods in and of themselves. Trust me, <laughs> but the the way you ate it in that emotional state and it was mindless like that's what i'm trying to get at so that the people listening who might be struggling with that understand how how can they turn that corner I'm putting a lot on you here man <laughs> i would say no i would say first of all it's a matter of choosing so instead of that i'll have um yogurt with berries or i'll have pb2 you know, I'll still, I still have my peanut butter. I can just show you what's in that cabinet over there. <laughs> okay. I hear you though. So you're, peanut butter. Yeah. So but replaced, you're replacing. I replaced it. Okay, so I replaced good. it. I All still right. enjoy my peanut butter, but it's PB2. I mix flaxseed with PB2 with pumpkin seeds and maybe a tablespoon of oatmeal. I put it in, in a ramekin or a little saucer mm-hmm. and mix it up mm-hmm. with a little skim milk. And I have myself a nice treat, you know? Um, so like to me, that to me is a great treat. I don't need the peanut butter and chocolate. And if I want chocolate, um, I could get dark chocolate, sure. which I have. Sure. I have dark chocolate. Um, or I could mix um, powdered cacao and mix it in with yeah. with whatever I'm using. Um, you now, know, so I what about, the, what about the It's a mindset. Yeah. And I'm trying to dig one more level because there's the, the, there's the emotional trigger part of it, right? So I, I totally love that strategy of replacing. I use it all the time as well. Like if you love crunchy things, you can replace them with other crunchy things. But then we also don't want to mindlessly eat those quote unquote healthier snacks. So there's that aspect to it. I think I worked too hard to sabotage myself again. Hmm. No digging down a little bit. So you love yourself. Is, is what's driving you right now. And, and you always have, it's not, I, I'm, I'm sure, but, but like I'm, the stakes I, are, are high. The stakes are higher now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I'll have, I'll have peanut butter once in a while and I'll have chocolate, um, but I won't be mindlessly have digging into Haagen-Dazs in my fridge, in my oh. freezer. It's, you know, I'm going to oh. choose something else because I'm working too hard. When I start doing something, it's like, okay, I have macrofactor to be responsible to. I need to log everything. So it keeps me in check. And if I do have something, I have to be accountable for it. But I'm dialed into my weight training program, Philip. There you go. There you go. You're dialed in. Yes, you're dialing in and everything is everything is compounding on everything else is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. It's like 
this helps this helps this the way you eat the way you move the way you train the fact you have you, you're you're a bariatric patient all of those things plus coaching helps obviously that's extrinsic motivation the community helps you talk about you know your family your loved ones as well helping um you and i have had conversations so that's a great message for people to understand that it takes one thing but then it can start to lead to another to another and um and, and help you do this like i said we create a whole ball of wax there you go. And and if people are visual, think of a Venn diagram of how things. So I had a, like a 3D Venn diagram moment where it's not just the, the 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 bubbles like intersecting, but then building upon each other. Mm-hmm. So we have different layers of different layers of blends, not just a unit, not just a flat blend, but it's a layers. So what you described, Philip, just now is so accurate. Because it's a layering of habits, a layering of intention that continues to build upon itself. Yeah. Yeah, Larry. And another another phrase I learned recently is upward spiraling. And <laughs> that again was from talking to Darlene. It's the same I idea think, from positive psychology. Yeah. I think that's yeah. why I thought of it again when I heard that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So Okay. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Wow. Wow. I'm feeling like, wow, it's pretty intense. Um I just want also to share that just having a bariatric procedure is not the easy way out. It is mm. a action that leads to further responsibility, incredible yep. responsibility. And I own that responsibility. And maybe that's what you're hearing. You know, you and, yep. and our listeners today here is this responsibility that I have to my health, and to what I've done in my life, you know, it's a great way to put it. So, yeah. Like your, your past yeah. happened, whether, whether it was because of your choices or not, which we know that some of it is your choices, but that's fine. Now you took responsibility for your future. Right. Um, so now I'm curious, and this is because we are in a one-on-one coaching relationship as well. Um, we met through macro factor since we both use that. We were in the community there. I talk about that app all the time here. People are tired of it by now, but, uh, how has the coaching, independent of everything else, helped you? I, I really am curious on how. Like, if if we had, I feel like if we hadn't been in a coaching relationship, you still would have been successful. But I want to know what what uh, the extra contribution was in, in leveling up your progress over the last six months. Wow, you've taught me things about myself. You had a vision that I did not see myself. let's get down to the deeper parts of this onion okay it's not about the technique it's not about necessarily about the weekly forms i have to fill out Mm -hmm. it's not about it's about the results of my weekly assessments with you it's about our conversation about your conversation with me it's about realizing that i don't know everything myself and my mindset for so long has all been about the scale, the number on the scale. It has to go down. 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 And after a while, man, that's not appropriate. That's right. I mean, it is appropriate at given times for sure. Yep. At given times. Yep. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm on maintenance and I'll say everyone, you use this phrase, there's magic in that maintenance. I'm telling you, Philip, we've talked about this before. So the magic in maintenance is also dovetailed, juxtaposed to leaning into you as a coach. 
So the magic of maintenance is not just about my macros. It's about your wisdom, your coaching, your laying a foundation of support for me to be in maintenance and say, wow, man, it's okay. I gained three pounds, but I've kept that weight for five weeks. And my muscles look great. And my pants still fit. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe I gained a half a pound of muscle on the on the Renfo scale. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that you, you give me, that's a grain of salt. You know, you can take that with a grain of salt. But I feel good. I wore a tank top this week. First time in a long time. And I was like, whoa. So that's that's where the coaching, that's independent. That's where the coaching has done. Um, it made me believe that I have the power inside of me to make progress in a way that I did not know myself, mm. that it took you and your wisdom and your knowledge to say, oh, let's try and do this. And I was petrified. Like you mentioned in your previous podcasts and you, that when you go into maintenance, people are anxious about gaining weight. I was there. I was so nervous. I was like, I'm going to eat and I'm going to gain weight and I'm going to end up over this weight and I'm not going to look good. But that didn't happen. Yep. So, you know. Uh, that, so so here's, what, here's what I'm hearing from you, Alan, because a lot of people think coaches are are there to maybe provide information, right? But a lot of a lot of folks know what to do. I mean, you you're you're above above average in terms of that knowledge, right? Cuz you listen to all the podcasts, you read, you I mean, we and I you and I go back and forth on the research, you send me articles, all that stuff. That that's totally beside the point. It's these other things that you didn't know you had inside you. It's maybe a relief from some of the stress, right? I'm hearing like you're just yes. kind of able to unload oh. on on someone else that can support you, and, yeah. and I'm the kind of guy that it just like I'm not going to get stressed by your stress, right? Because you're not me. I'm not emotionally invested. I'm emotionally invested in your success, but but your stress, you could just kind of throw it over the throw, throw it over the wall, and we'll just get rid of it over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's cra- It's crazy, you know. Like just to think that um, you you didn't know what you were fully capable of. And it wasn't that you couldn't lose weight. It was that you couldn't stop losing weight without thinking it would all go off the rails. Right. right. Yeah. Um, another thing that your coaching has helped in, in general, this whole process, is my mom passed away about, mm. you know, was passed away also in 2021. And I just think that what I'm doing for myself is honoring her as well because she always wanted me to take care of myself. And, and she was happy when I had the surgery and she looked at me and said, Alan, you're beautiful, you're doing this. So it's like everything, so you're talking, you're talking about stress. That's one thing we didn't talk about yet it was the biggest stress in my life, the biggest upset, but also learning, I learned a lot, um, was when my mom got sick and she passed away. So with that being said, let's bring you into the picture now. Let's bring your coaching into the picture. So not only so now I haven't I added another another um, leg to the foundation of what I need to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And I leaned into you with trust, your safe your safeness. You know you're very safe about what you do. Your wisdom. Um, I also think that um, you also have a, an amazing capacity for communication. And allowing people to become introspective 
And I think all those, those things together, combined with what I had said before, create the unique coaching experience that I've, that I've had with you. Well, thank you, Alan. I don't, I don't know what to say because <laughs> there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome in me too. Like we all have, of, yeah. of you know, like the, the idea of wisdom and all that. But um, one thing I, one thing I think about talking to you is, you know, you have a background in psychology. I'm not a therapist. I don't have a background in psychology, nor do I um, purport to do that at all. And sometimes there's a difference in in the approach between psychologists and coaches, right? Psychologists often help mm-hmm. with the past and healing. And coaches are like, what do we do now going forward? What tools do we use to move ahead? I'm not saying that that's, there's not a Venn diagram of overlap there. <laughs> okay. But from my perspective, even when you were talking to me about your, your mom, you know, one thing I always feel I struggle with is like how to properly respond to that and empathize with people. And, and everybody struggles with that, right? When others are going through these, these difficult times, it's like, what do you say? It's always, it's a universal human question and a concern, but but I always come back to, okay, what does Alan need now from me? And and Because he's got other things that are going to give him the support, maybe in that personal area. What does he need from me? And what did he hire me for? And what are we doing here? And that was kind of helping you move through it. You know, not not necessarily to process it. That's that's more of your own thing to, to, to manage. And again, I'm not a ther- therapist. It's just how do we move forward? I, my focus for you is your health, your physical health, which does give help with your emotional health. So how do I help you move forward with that? Right. right. So that's where having a coach can definitely help. Um, right. Yeah. Cool. Right. And the ability to lean into the coach, not every, not every client can lean into a coach. It's kind of like people coming into the spin room and saying, Alan, you're going to kill us today. Like, no, no. Why do I want to kill you? I want to, I want to build your, I want to build, you know, build this, build the, um, you know, build the skyscraper, not just bring it to the penthouse, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's like we have to leave our ego at the door you know philip i want to lose weight i want to lose 15 pounds by in six months time i want to be 12 to 15 pounds lighter and and but there's a whole picture that i can still stay the same or even gain a little bit but also have a better body composition um so it's a matter of me also leaving my ego and my directiveness, I'm a very directive person, very, you know, in, sure, in, the, sure. in like, and it's like leaving that to the side and saying, okay, maybe I need to listen to, to someone else. Maybe I need to listen to a coach. Maybe I need, I'm going to try maintenance. Philip might have an idea. And so I did. But it's that openness. It's that breath that we take. That pause to allow things in. If we're always, if we're always on the go and we don't, if we don't, if we, our cup is always full, if we always have a full vessel, we can't take in, we can't learn. Mm. So part of it is emptying the vessel a little bit to bring in. Oh, that's good. That's good. And the vessel, I know it's a metaphorical vessel, but there is also a literal, like our day to day schedule, our time, all the things that we do vessel as part of that. Um, and you're speaking to me too, Alan. <laughs> I'm trying to empty that vessel a little bit. Okay. So, well, if somebody's listening, they're like, wow, we're getting into a lot of deep stuff here, but also a lot of actionable strategies along the way. What advice would you give to someone just starting their fitness journey? They might be 65, wow. they might be 25, you know, they might be 90. I don't know. Um, and they feel overwhelmed, right? There's information, there's misinformation. There's training programs, nutrition plans, coaches, websites, social media, books, podcasts, you name it. Let's take a breath. 
Where, where should someone start in your opinion? They should start where they are at. There's so much in social media, so much around us that say we should be here. We should, we, we should be shredded. We should be this. I'm never going to be shredded. <laughs> you know, I, I seriously, it's like, but I, but I'll be, I'll look good. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I think people need to honor what I'd like to express to people who are just starting out, no matter what age people might be starting out after a disability, after surgery, after an illness, they might be starting out because they want to lose weight. They may be starting out for so many different reasons. And that's why I'm going to posit this. See where you're at. Invest in a trainer, invest in a coach, someone you can talk to, even if it's just for one session two sessions see where you're at identify your goals honor where you're at because it's step it's a step-by-step process but the only way to go one step at a time is to honor and see what your needs are where you want to go and not only that what your why is where you what you know what is creating your why and and the why is powerful the why is like something that takes you into periods of plateaus. When you're in a plateau and you say, oh, man, I just want to give up. Then why are you, do- why are you doing this? Why did you start? You know, take a week off. Take a diet break. Whatever you want to work, call it. But know that your why is there and you, have to, and you want to return to it. Mm-hmm. So that w- that's what I would say. Honor where you're at. Reach out to someone professional. Write things down, diary, what's going on. Get an objective opinion, an objective look at what's going on with you at the here and now and where you want to go and why. What's creating the pivotal point? What's creating this pivot point in you that you want to make a change? Where are you at? And when you close your eyes, what do you envision for yourself? For some people, it might be just be able to walk around the block. Mm-hmm. For some people, it might be lifting 10 pounds. For some people, it might be able to walk up and down stairs again. Okay. Um, so for some people, it might be bench pressing, you know, it might be, you know, whatever. For me, it's hanging from a bar and doing chin-ups. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I look at guys. I have those micro goals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm making a joke, but it's, but, but it's very serious. Um, you know, so take everything where you're at. Um, you know, um, there was a time when walking up a hill winded me after my heart, after I had, you know, my heart's procedure. Um, it took me a while to walk up when I used to walk across the street to come home. I live on a hill. I had to walk diagonally instead of straight up the hill Mm. because I would get out of breath after the surgery. So I was walking though, okay? So I had to build myself up. And my cardiologist said, Alan, you have no restrictions. You can get on the spin bike after, after this time and you can do this. But my physicality needed to come back to itself. And you engage in a form of progressive overload by starting where you're at and then going from there. Yes. Exactly. That yes. works with everything in life, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's good advice. Cool. All right. So people are going to get out their pen and paper they're going to reflect on what they want out of life and why, and then start where you're at and go find some resources. 
you know, yes. professional help, people, podcasts, whatever, find resources. And this is a great resource. Alan's a great resource. We're going to maybe hook you up with his contact info in the show notes. We'll see. But he's in our community either way. If you want to join and reach out right. to him. I'm, I'm on Facebook. Yep. You know, I don't post a lot, but um, if you want to reach out to me, send me a message. I'll, you know, I'll be glad to respond. So you know what I'm going to ask next? It's the penultimate question, Alan. Since you, I know you listen to the podcast. Oh, man. What is what is one question you wish I had asked, and what is your answer? Oh, where do I get this desire to learn from? Where do I get? Where do I? You know, what is my impetus behind learning? You know. Yeah, your my, curiosity, your my, passion my curiosity. for learning. Right. All right. So there's a saying: "Who is wise? One who learns from everyone." Hmm. So. Hmm. Not that I absorb everything unconditionally, because it definitely has to go through a filter. Some, you know, at times. Sure. But um, but I'm always there, questioning and learning, um, and learning, and listening to other people who are wise. We surround ourselves with people who um, who have something to offer in terms of their own experience, their own mentorship abilities. So I think when we surround ourselves with people who are wise, who are scholarly, who are wise to the world, I'm not talking about necessarily intellectually, but who are, who are mentors. I mean, that's like, that's like, you know, our brotherhood. That's like, you know, our, you know, our fellowship of, um, of how we learn. So I'm always honoring. So this goes back to my original mantra of positive regard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when people, I listen to people, I, you know, there's a positive regard that I have to what they're explaining. I listen to how they learned, where they're coming from. So I'm an active learner, but I also know that when I learn something, I try and implement it. So we all know, you know, Carl Berman has a, has a, um, has a, um, you know, the prep work, right. You know, so there's a call to action and, um, and there's a lot of, a lot of different things that I I do, Um, but learning is important but transferring it into action steps to make an impact. You know, learning is a change of behavior, an observable change of behavior. Oh, and that's good. That's good, right? It's not just consuming. It's changing right. your behavior from what you right. hear and what you learn. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so that's it. Um, you know, who is wise? One who learns from everyone. Great. That's my One. answer. One who learns from everyone. I'm trying to do that with this podcast, man. Bring on people that I can learn from and the listener can learn from. So let's just, but let's take action as well. So you definitely gave me personally some things to think about. And I'm sure the listener, I mean, just all the things we covered. So where, where do you want listeners to reach out to you or learn about you? They can reach out to me on Facebook. I have an Instagram, um, or perhaps, um, in the community on the Facebook page, you know, if they want to come into the Facebook page, um, I'm active there and that would be a great place for them to co- correspond with me. All right. Yeah. We'll put the links to the, uh, your Facebook profile as well as the Wits and Weights Facebook community where Alan hangs right. out regularly. And man, that was just, as, this is awesome. I mean, we got into things that we didn't expect and no, a lot of value no. for the listeners. So man, thanks so much. Thanks for coming. Oh man, Philip, thank you for inviting me. I hope I was of some, um, help and value to your listeners and your community and the community that we both are part of. And um, I wish everybody who's listening a um, all good things. Just all good all things. things. All good things. Yeah. All good things. And with that, we'll say uh, toodaloo. Thanks, Alan. Okay. 
If you've been inspired by today's interview and are ready to take action and build momentum on your health and fitness journey, just schedule a free 30-minute nutrition momentum call with me using the link in my show notes. I promise not to sell or pitch you on anything, but I will help you gain some perspective and guidance so we can get you on the right track toward looking and feeling your best. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.